You're listening to the Teaching Orchestra Podcast, a new place to hear from today's orchestra teachers teaching today's orchestra kids. I'm Janet. And I'm Jessica. We share our successes, struggles, and solutions working with the next generation of string musicians. And lift up our colleagues' voices from across the country. Why be an island anymore? Join Join us. Welcome to our first special guest episode featuring the incredible Stephen Spotswood. More about Stephen in a minute. One thing that's been on our minds constantly throughout our last school year, and will continue to stay on our minds as we enter the next one, is engaging our students of color in our classrooms. While we've talked about recruitment and retention and student-centered instructional strategies in previous episodes, we've only touched upon the specific needs of our black and brown students in orchestra. Orchestra has traditionally been perceived as a Eurocentric and even elitist content area, and we feel passionate about dismantling those misconceptions about the history of string education in America. And as we often say, that's a future episode. (laughs) We are fully aware that we are two white ladies talking about BIPOC students in orchestra, so that is why we feel so compelled to interview one and get it straight from the source. So we reached out to Stephen Spotswood, a black string music educator and performer in Columbus, Ohio. And to our delight and mild surprise, he agreed to talk to us. (laughs) Stephen is the founder of CCO, Columbus Cultural Orchestra, whose mission is to advance musicians of color by performing high quality classical, hip hop and R&B music. Stephen also teaches middle school orchestra in the Reynoldsburg School District. He does all of this while maintaining an active performing career and social media presence. He's also a dad to baby Xander, who joined us in the Zoom, and you'll hear Xander contributing to the conversation. (laughs) Check Stephen out on Insta at Stephen Strings with a Z and at CCO underscore Ohio. We'll link those in the show notes for you. As you will hear, Stephen is a visionary in the field of music education. We were so excited and energized by everything he said, and we're sure you will be as well. Enjoy. Well, our first question is, what drew you to the violin as a young person, and what sustained your interest into adulthood and your current career? I started violin in fifth grade. It was just literally like a petting zoo where they, you know, come and test them out. I like the violin because... I compared it to a rapper because I was also like a hip hop lover. And I always was um, intrigued by the velocity and the the aggressiveness sometimes of a violinist, similar to a rapper on a a mic. And growing up in school, we would freestyle. And the whole point of the freestyle was to see who could rap the best and the fastest. basically like beat your opponent. I don't know, like that competitive nature in me with the violin. It was just like, when it's just like rapping on the track. And it had that rhythmic element of it too. Plus, I think the violin is so versatile. It can do so many things and play different notes. You know, to kind of segue into the next question, at first, and I think this is the same for a lot of students, At first, I never realized that, you know, me being Black and playing the violin was not as common in our country. Mm -hmm. Um, It was just a kid at a candy store and you just love music and you just want to try it. As I started to get better and play in orchestras in school and outside of school, um, I'm from Maryland. 
I played in all the orchestras, like American Youth Philharmonic, the DC Youth Orchestra. I was just trying to be the best, to be honest. That's the competitor in me again. But um, I actually switched to viola in ninth grade because my teacher said I, would, I could get a scholarship much easier because there's such a plurality of violinists. And so I switched to viola in ninth grade and that's actually what I majored in in college was, well, it was music education with the folks in viola. And then after I graduated college, I realized that I wanted to switch back to violin because I started to just get into more of the music that I loved, which was jazz and hip hop and R&B. And the melodies on those songs are easier to play on the violin. And so I just switched back to violin um, in 2016. And now I've been playing it for the last six years. That's kind of my violin journey. That is, that is a journey, all right. I've definitely told students to switch <laughs> yes. to viola to get a scholarship. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> It's really interesting to hear how your experience kind of led into your career. Um, Jessica, do you want to ask? Yeah, so our next question is, in your opinion, where or what place is orchestra in Black culture? I think it's at the beginning. I think when you talk about well, Dvorak had a quote where he said, America lives in pastlessness with regards to classical music. And we, America holds on to Europe so much and its culture. But the beginnings of, of, of American culture starts with Black people and Black music. It never actually started with European culture. So all things orchestra and in, in our, at least in our country, I think, needs to be recognized as being authored by Black people. It's just that hasn't been recognized that it's been authored by us. So therefore, we think that it's a later, something that happened later down the line. I consider Duke Ellington the first American composer. And if we go back and look at some of the history of American music, you have to ask yourself the questions, what were Black folks singing and performing and playing at the beginning of our society? Why wasn't it highlighted in our world? And so I just think that America tried to hang, tried to hang on to the European culture for so many years when other stuff was moving forward, like jazz and um, bebop and the blues. These are the things in my culture that I hear at church on Sundays. I hear the blue scale and I hear jazz being sampled in hip hop all the time. And so people should kind of try to like understand that, hey, like, why isn't there enough black people in classical music? Well, it's because we feel like our story is not being told inside of this, this genre. In order for us to feel like our, our story is being told in this genre, we have to embrace the fact that we're made solely comprised of the 12-bar blues. 12-bar blues is really the essential musical art form that makes up American music. Like Dvorak said, pastlessness is holding us back. To me, if we want that to move forward, we have to embrace really the 12-bar blues and all of the derivatives that come from that. 
in, in the orchestral world. My dad, he's a choir teacher and he's really a big influence on my life as a man of faith and as a um, musician. Because he also plays jazz piano. So he taught me how to play the bass. Um, I have a twin brother who plays the piano and the drums. We would go around playing jazz trio gigs and I played bass at church where I learned how to play gospel. And so I had already the strong foundation of singing, of course, before I even um, played classical music. So that's why I always say like, classical music is only like 30% makeup of who I am. Of course, I love it and adore it so much. I mean, how can you not listen to a Mahler symphony or a Holst piece? How can you just not like relish in this, this glory? I don't deem it superior to the overall landscape of my of who I am. That's great. I, I love everything. So to that, the next question is, what are some ways that you approach teaching orchestra in a diverse ethnic and cultural setting? Like, is it similar to what you grew up with, you know, kind of getting into it from the rapper perspective? I'm curious about that. Yeah, so we be we jam out in my orchestra classes. I mean, <laughs> we turn up, as the kids say. <laughs> we uh, we improvise. If you're if you have a sixth grade first year class, and you're just doing a call and response on a D scale, you know, to a hip hop beat on YouTube, making sure that the the um, content is relevant to the audience is key. I don't care if you're black or white, all of our kids listen to the radio today and the pop popular music from Justin Bieber to Beyonce. Like this year, my sixth grade class, you know, I wrote some music for them to play Justin Bieber. Um, I did an arrangement of, um, what's that show, Encanto. Mm. Um, you know, that's that's what everybody likes. Oh, yep. yeah. So, <laughs> We're feeling it. Oh, yeah. so much Bruno. <laughs> yeah, Bruno. Yeah. Lil Uzi Vert and um, Travis Scott. Because in, this is what I encourage my educator friends all the time. If you don't, if you can't find it or if you can't buy it, then you just gotta write it. You just have to write it. That's that's my outlook. Just go on, get on to Buzz or get on Finale and just just write it, you know. Um, learn, take a couple hours, learn GarageBand, learn Soundtrap, make some beats, um, teach your kids how to make beats. Yeah, like I said, like some of these arrangements on, on these sites, you know, they're like an arm and a leg, but then they're like not even accurate or they're just not very good. Like, really? That's not 24 karat magic, Bruno Mars. <laughs> nice try. Yeah, yeah, nice try. Yeah. I feel you there. <laughs> and then with more advanced students, like high schoolers, um, I teach them the blue scale, the pentatonic scale. The thing about it is, is that say I teach them Adagio for strings versus Crazy in Love by Beyonce. I'm going fast, I'm fixing parts, I'm writing parts, they're learning the parts, we're fixing intonation, we're going down a list. But it's the simple facts that you're actually playing Crazy in Love by Beyonce. The music speaks for itself. 
I think sometimes we think we have to like go to a hip hop cipher or like get all these techniques and tips from people on how to teach a hip hop orchestra. The music will teach itself. You just gotta have them learn it. When we see our kids like looking all boring and stale and just like dead inside when they're playing a Beyonce song <laughs> and you're like, hey, this is a Beyonce song. You know, you it's okay to smile. Like it's literally, hey, why don't we stand up and play this? Why don't we like rock side to side a little bit while we play this? They'll be, at first they'll look at you like you're crazy, but again, like the, the music bodes the uh, the character uh, and the and the makeup of the culture. I think that those pedagogical things are very simple and they work. So using repertoire relevant to the students to teach pedagogical things that could be taught with, you know, standard Eurocentric music is sort of an approach you would take. Right. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like, yeah. Like still, you know, still say, hey, that's out of tune. You know, let's fix it. Right. You know, don't be like, oh, we're playing jazz so we can just play whatever. No, like still have high expectations, you know, and still go through your, you know, left hand technique, right hand technique. Sure. Then let's fix intonation. Now let's fix the bowings. Um, because what will end up happening is that, that's right. That's right, Vander. What will end up happening is, is that they'll say, oh, man, I just played Drake with my teacher at school. Mom, can you give me an electric instrument? Well, let's see if you get serious. They get serious. Now that I got an electric instrument. Oh, my buddy wants to get one too. Now we both have electric instruments. Now we're at home jamming, playing to tracks. Now we have a group. And now we start, oh, we want to kind of write our own stuff. So then, you know, you 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 planted the seed, but they went to a black violin concert or Damien Escobar concert and they saw it for themselves you just planted the seed you know what i mean so you don't have to cultivate the the whole harvest you just have to plant the seed and expose them to say hey you can actually do this you know and so they end what happens in, what what i see is in high school they end up just running with it on their own right like orchestra is the vehicle that takes them through to the music that they want to play and want to experience. So right. maybe it doesn't matter so much what the instrument is, but like what the music is that speaks right. to them. Great. And let's, let's be honest. I mean, okay, so 90% of the teachers in this country are Caucasian. 70% of those teachers are women. Um, I have many teacher friends who want to do this and there's some who don't, but the ones who are willing, don't, I just tell them, don't be afraid to plant the seed. Like you don't have to, all right, I'm about to go listen to a whole Nas, Biggie and Tupac album just so I can. Now I'm relevant. Yes. <laughs> yeah, now I'm relevant. No, I like be. done it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and be yourself. Like don't try to be somebody or not. The issue is that these teachers, a lot of teachers just, Either they're afraid to start or they don't know where to start. And so they just end up uh, doing that divorce job pastlessness. Yeah. And they just keep teaching what we've been learning um, 
serenade for strings for 30 years um uh <laughs> lightly roll and um dragon hunter dragon hunter oh my yeah, god and hunter. all of the offshoots of dragons There's so yeah many dragons I know. yeah and like you know like that's when the kid starts going hey i i'm bored or hey you know this is this is kind of whack i'm i'm out and then that's when you lose them. And then they stay, oh, I don't see myself doing this long time. Yeah. What a perfect segue to our final question. In your opinion, what are perceived or actual barriers preventing students from taking or continuing to take orchestra? That's the whole reason I started Columbus Cultural Orchestra, cclmusic.org, Columbus, Ohio. Our Instagram is cco underscore Ohio. And our mission is to advance the collective of multi-generational musicians of color by performing high quality hip hop, R&B and jazz music. If you can see it, you can be it. If you can see yourself on that stage, then you say, hey, I wanna do that. For the most part, we don't see, you know, African-Americans represent 2% of musicians in our professional orchestras across our country. According to the League of American Orchestras, now that study was done in 2012 or 15. So I'm sure it's changed, but not by that much. So number one, we have to have more representation. And the, and the way to do that is we have to educate and inspire parents. We have to convince them that this is something that they should be willing to invest in. Um, I, I talk about this all the time. The black community, we thrive in sports and I'm all for physical wellness. Actually, I love sports, but we also have to realize that there's, and you guys know this as educators, there's great benefit to playing an instrument, but we as teachers have to convince the parents that it's worth the investment. And we have to work for resources if families don't have them to be able to get students in private lessons. And, nicer instruments it's a hard work but we just have to if we really want to do it that's what we have to do because parents are think, thinking to themselves well i don't i don't even care more than just black parents everybody now is thinking how is music going to be a plausible career for my for my child you know and they, and they have a right to say that because as we know orchestras are folding which leads me to the second thing, which is telling them that there's more career paths, telling students and families that there's more career paths available now, like being a um, YouTube violinist or cellist or, you know, being an influencer, starting a band, um, being a recording artist on your orchestral instrument, being a composer, a conductor, um, writing, I don't know, writing string parts for studios. Like, uh, there's so many things. Like, if we look at those people like Black Violin, Damien Escobar, and the String Queens out of Detroit, and um, Dominique Hammonds, I think he's in Texas, actually. There's just so many groups. Music Noir, which is a full female group showing them those opportunities, those different career paths. You don't have to just be a music teacher or a music performance major anymore. 
You know, you can play weddings and play different events and get paid from that. And yes, money is not everything, but it is a it's a huge incentive. And it should it should, we we as musicians we should be getting paid for our services. Mm-hmm. You know, so much of the time we don't have a we have this attitude that we um, we should just be starving artists, but those days are gone. With Instagram and TikTok and YouTube, we are all now self marketers and business people. And we have to advocate for our art. And then the next thing would be for the teachers. You guys, teachers, we are already inspired to teach and educate. But now we need to be educated on the things that I was mentioning before, like planting the seed. We need to be educated and motivated to, like I said, if you can't find the music on J.W. Pepper, write it. Doing things like having guests come in and do workshops where you're teaching your students different styles of music. Literally just not standing that pastlessness of playing the same old songs, like you said, over and over again. Because it's really that ninth grade year in my experience teaching over nine years in inner city communities. Most kids, like myself in fifth grade, when we sign up for orchestra, we are just innocent. We just wanted to have fun and try to play. But the retention rate for musicians of color goes way down in eighth and ninth grade. You guys are shaking your heads. I know you know what I'm talking about. I'm feeling it. <laughs> yeah. Badly. You're like, where, what happened to so-and-so? Where'd they oh. go? Why'd they quit? Yeah. Um, it's because it's that turning point. Like, hey, I'm going to high school. I'm about to go to college. What do I want to do? Who are my friends? You know, none of my friends are in orchestra. How can I relate? Where's my culture? That turning point, teachers have to really be cognizant of that and really create an environment where they feel like their culture can be accepted. When you do those things, the students will come. Like we really don't have to market to students in those type of way. When when we target the parents and, and their family members and aunties and uncles and the teachers, then the students will come because they'll do whatever their parents say or they'll feel like, hey, my teacher, I like her. She's awesome. Whatever she says, I'm going to go with what she says because I like her as a teacher. We have a good relationship. If we play a song and we turn up and everybody's like, hey, 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 go, go. She's not like stopping me like, hey, can you guys stop doing that? Like, I see that sometimes like, just because we're um, getting loud doesn't mean we're being disruptive. Yep. It's just little stuff like that that I say will work. And it will make a big impact and a big difference. Wow, you, you've said so oh, much useful stuff. We're just like, oh my gosh. It's really helpful to hear your perspective and know more about the cultural orchestra. And we'll give it lots of shameless plugs in the show notes. Absolutely. I would just add to the, to wrap everything up that I'm in the reconciliation business. And that means that, you know, at the end of the day, music is a universal language. And however we can reconcile the two communities together is what we need to do. Yes, we need to tell the truth that Black people have been in classical music for years to come. It just hasn't been acknowledged um, up till, till now, actually more recently. We need to unify you know, ultimately, we need to reconcile 
like no hatred, no bitterness at the end of the day. I think it's okay to be mad or to grieve for a season, but I don't think it's okay to stay that way. I would like to thank you all for the opportunity to share my story. This motivates me that there's others willing out, out here willing to do the work. As you guys know, it's the work's not easy, but it's actually pertinent and it would be a disservice to our students if we didn't do it. Oh, wow. Just wow. Right? Oh, we hope you are inspired by Stephen's words to consider how we music educators are in the reconciliation business alongside Stephen. We hope that you can ask yourself questions like, how can we use our privilege as white educators to dismantle the perceived barriers? How can we regularly use culturally sustaining repertoire to achieve the same goals we've always had? And how can our classrooms be a safe space where students turn up the way that Stevens do? So many great things to consider from this interview. Again, find Stevens' terrific work on Insta at Stevens Strings with a Z and at CCO underscore Ohio. Again, we'll fill show notes with the links to all things Steven. Find us too on Instagram at Teaching Orchestra Pod and teachingorchestrapod.com. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Teaching Orchestra Podcast. Yes.